0: Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now, your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. It is Multifamily Mondays with Kevin Dowling. Hey, Kevin.
1: Hey, guys. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Good to awesome. be here.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for being here. So today, we're going to talk about market identification. How Jason and Kevin um, identified the market that they're in and continue that topic into uh, targeting submarkets. So Kevin, why don't you you take it away? How did you guys identify your your, uh, markets?
1: Well, the first thing we did was we wanted to identify... probably two to three core markets. Uh, things we looked at were um, strong employment growth, uh, strong employment drivers, um, strong population growth, and also um, wanted to see uh, strong income growth as well. So, income, uh, employment, and population were three um, drivers that we wanted. Um, we, when we identified the three markets, another thing for us, initial three markets, one, another thing that was good for us was we wanted some sort of boots on the ground. Uh, that could give us some insight uh, about the opportunities that were going to be coming our way, the buildings themselves, the neighborhoods themselves. So uh, initially, we identified Louisville, Greensboro, and San Antonio as our three markets that had that strong employment growth, strong population growth, and strong income growth. But obviously, once you get the identification of the markets, you do want to be mindful uh, of what's going on within the submarkets and the neighborhoods. So from there, we took a deeper dive into uh, which areas that we liked, uh, which areas um, didn't have too much supply growth coming online, didn't have too much new construction in the pipeline. Um, or, if, or if there was, we wanted to make sure that there was diverse employment to, to where if there was a, a strong employer that would move out of the area, it's not going to impact the fundamentals too much.
2: Yeah, we were making sure that the uh, the employer, there was no one employer or one sector that was making up more than twenty percent of uh, the job dynamics, and there there was a couple like Louisville, for instance, has uh, it's got tourism with the Derby and, and all the horse racing. It's had, it has Humana. Uh, UPS, FedEx, Amazon, GE. It just has many different sectors that covers on it. Doesn't have huge population spikes, but has a um, moderate population growth throughout. Uh, rent has also followed trend right there for the BNC assets. We were looking in some markets where there wasn't really a ton of new construction coming on and also still with the population was growing and it just had a number of BC assets that were still existing. So that's why that market made sense. And that's kind of how we've pushed into a lot of our markets, just backing ourselves in through those those different proponents.
0: Great. Great. Um, so when you guys first got together, um, and decided to do multifamilies, um, were there any other markets that you guys were thinking about that didn't work? And can you explain to me why they didn't work? Like for instance, say, say I'm new to new to, uh, Multifamilies, and I'm just like, you know what? I feel more comfortable in my. I feel more comfortable in in New Jersey. Could you tell me why it might not work for me to like say go into Jersey City or go into like, you know, say uh, um, I don't know, Morristown? Yeah. Know, Jersey Pricing's City is like a city, thing. and Morristown is like suburbs.
1: Yeah, pricing is the biggest thing. I think uh, the markets we're looking in, we get more for uh, the value. So in Kentucky, for example, we can get a um, 100-unit uh, BC asset in the 30 to 70-unit a unit range. Okay. You, can't get, you can't get that in New no. You can't get that in New Jersey. You can't get that in the tri-state area in New York.
2: Yeah. That's right. And a lot of the numbers don't work here. Uh, so you have a very difficult time making it where you're buying on actuals in New Jersey. And uh, a lot, of course, of the brokers are trying to push you on the huge appreciation play here. And uh, that's not our model. We buy in actuals. We're not looking out. You know, We, we hope we can meet these returns by, by increasing rents and doing other points with expenses. However, our returns are still working based on the actuals that we've ran on the property, how it's actually performing today. So it's all gravy. If the property gets better and we're able to get more income out of it, Perfect. We've done a better job. If we're able to cut down expenses somewhat, great. But we we buy the properties in the areas based
1: on how they're
2: performing, not how they could perform. Okay.
0: Yep. Great. Do you have anything else
2: to add, Kevin?
1: Yeah, just just to hammer that on, that, that, that's the biggest thing right now is we're seeing price expectations, uh, based on a pro forma underwriting and a pro forma value. I think that's one of the first things we look at because if you're looking at a deal, if you're looking at an opportunity of, of a property that's for sale, the first mm-hmm. question you want to ask is why is the seller selling? Because if they're if they're showing you a pro forma value, then you ask them the question, why aren't you guys doing that to the property?
0: So give me, uh, just for our listeners out there, what is a pro forma?
1: So if, if they're projecting rent increases based on capital improvements three to six months out it's mm-hmm. basically what they're anticipating uh the new market rents to be for those units based on the improvements so mm-hmm. essentially what what could they rent the units out in the future not mm-hmm.
0: actually so if a broker or uh, a uh, seller hands me a pro forma or a uh or you know anything to that effect? What should I be asking for instead?
1: Well, you'll see. You'd want to look at the actual trailing twelve months and the actual rent roll to make sure those numbers line up. What you'll probably see there is a higher loss to lease line item in the uh, in the in the financials uh, because that they're actually losing rent based on what they're not currently getting uh, for those units. So the pro forma. Or the uh, the pro forma financials will show kind of what the near t- near future uh, rents will look like, and again, why isn't the seller doing that?
2: Great. Yeah. anything to add? No, spot on.
0: Okay, great. Well, thank you again so much, Kevin. Thank you for all the information. Again, this is the REI Foundation podcast with Jason and Peely and Kevin Dowling. Thank you for joining us. So grateful. Thanks, guys. Bye. Talk soon. Hi, everybody. Peely here from the REI Foundation podcast. Looking to rev up your wholesaling or house flipping business? Go now to houseflippinghq.com. Jason and I are part of a house flipping family, a community created by Justin Williams. Would we be where we are without him and without his community and his mentors? Probably not. Justin and his team basically handed us personalized shortcuts and exact strategies that have made us explode in today's market. So if you're looking to take the next step, go to houseflippinghq.com right now. Again, this is Peely from the REI Foundation podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we are so grateful for you. Have a great day. Bye.